So welcome back to Make It Make Sense, because I'll tell you what, I feel like my life is a perpetual groundhog day of trying to make the things around me make sense. Do you ever feel that? So I um, just every day, all day. Yeah, all day, every day. So thank you for joining me. This is my beautiful, magnanimous, fantastic friend who is probably one of the funniest people and has the best voice and laugh ever. Um, so Natalie, hi. Hi. So tell tell us about you. What do, what do you want to say about yourself? What do you do? Who are you? Tell us more. Well, um, Natalie Johnson, proud St. Louis, Missouri resident, <laughs> long, and I am a gosh, 25 plus event marketer. Um, I work for Monster Energy Drink, and I'm currently the regional um, field marketing manager for our brands. So My I come Arkansas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Missouri, and Illinois. So it keeps me busy. And I've been with the company over 15 years. Wow. So yeah, that's me. I'm a mom, a single mom, a divorcee. Um, and that's, that's, that's basically it. That keeps that, me that's a lot. And I feel like you're, you're constantly on the go. This job keeps you moving a lot. How many days are you gone out of the month? Like how much traveling? You know, it's, it's on and off like October. I've been catching my breath. Um, but sometimes it's almost, it's a lot of it's on the weekends. And so sometimes it could be in the month, three weekends out of a month. And then you have to work the five days in between. So, yeah. you know, it tends to be like August, September, we're super crazy. Um, now until January will be calm, then it picks back up. And then my May and June are going to be crazy again. So that's so wild. I mean, like, honestly, first of all, yay for energy drinks, because if I don't know how you would keep your schedule, if you didn't drink them, do you, do you consume the product? I do. I don't consume them as much as I used to. I used to be like, Hey, all day, every day. But I mean, when I'm really tired, yeah, I work. Yeah. It's really <laughs> I would think you would have to be, cause like, I got to tell you, I, last night I was waiting for my daughter to get home after trick-or-treating. And I was like, it was like nine 22. I remember specifically cause they were texting in this group chat and I'm like, y'all just bring me ghost face back so I can go to bed. Cause I am for <laughs> sure 22 minutes past my bedtime. So like, stop it. So like everyone finds their place because I could not do your job. It looks like a ton of fun, but I would be in the worst mood ever. So God bless them for having you. And you are a rock star and I appreciate you taking time out to chat with me. Um, no one better to talk about this topic with, I feel like, because I'm really interested to hear what your experience has been with racism. Mm -hmm. Like, Like, first of all, 2023, I can't believe that we still deal with racism. Like it's a little crazy to me that people make, I mean, we all make snap judgments, but to like decide whether, and like to like, just, just like, like plant your flag over whether, whatever, how much pigmentation someone's skin has is a little bit crazy to me. Um, and I've had a really interesting experience with race. I feel like you probably have too, because your parents are, your dad's black, your yes. mom's white. Yes. You necessarily do people always look at you and think that they know that you're black no not at all 
Um, I would say it, it's gotten better, but a lot of times the first thing that comes out of somebody's mouth is, what are you? Yeah. So um, that's fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Which is so rude. Like, yeah. I mean, it's a little bit crazy, I, like similar, like, cause I think we both look like we're ethnic yeah. in some capacity, but like nobody really knows. Right. My experience has been kind of interesting because I think, I think people have a tendency to want to, to like, they feel, they want to feel comfortable and they mm -hmm. feel comfortable with the people that are like them. So I've always described my experience as kind of being like a racial chameleon because legitimately whatever the person standing in front of me is, that's what they think that I am. So like Italians think I'm Italian, Hispanics think I'm Hispanics. I've had black people think that I'm black. Like it just, whomever I'm standing in front of, they just kind of assume that I am what they are, which is a really interesting experience. Like it allows me to kind of almost try on different races and like, see what it's like and kind of, you know, meld into whatever the environment is. It also sometimes can make you an outsider in another way, but it's like, if someone calls it out as like, no, you're absolutely not, then that can be the, the opposite. But I mean, I think you look definitely more ethnic. Do more people think that you are Hispanic? Yeah. Um, I also get Greek. I get like Middle Eastern. I get Italian. I have a similar experience that a lot of people send say, oh, are you this? You must be this or you're Lebanese or this. But it's kind of interesting because when I'm in spaces where people, there aren't any other minorities, a lot of times people aren't thinking that it's the one black person in the room. They're just like, oh, you're just like my Sicilian grandma or something like that, you know? And so a lot of times people don't want to acknowledge that, you know, mm -hmm. that there's somebody different or has a different experience or, you know, people let things slip that they may not slip if they knew that it was a person of color or a black person or a biracial, yeah. you know? Yeah. So. I definitely felt that. Like I've always said, I've always contended that the most racist individuals are probably old men of any color because they just say whatever they want. Like by the time you get to a certain age, you just let it fly. Like you, you have no filter. You don't care anymore. And so I think it's so the entitlement, you know, I mean, a lot of times men, whether whoever they are just kind of like resistant to change settled oh. how they have been thinking, how they've been living and just, don't filter. And I think that women tend to filter a lot more. For than, sure. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I definitely, so when I would grow, when I was growing up and I would be my brother's father who raised me is Hispanic. And so I would be on that side of the family and they would say disparaging things about white people because they're Hispanic family. Um, and I would be in the room and my brother would be in the room and it was just like, it, it just is what it is. Like they would say it. And, you know, because again, I think people kind of have blinders on and they see what they want to see. And they just selectively decide everyone that's around is like them, or they don't care. It might be entitled, but like it is. What it is. 
Um, and you know, I don't, I don't really know that I felt like the white side of my family was quite as vocal, but like, we know that white people in this country have certainly been yeah. racist and, and have done their fair share, but it's such an interesting, um, dichotomy. It's just such an interesting place to be because truly people like, and I, I'm walking around with these names that are always like Hispanic. So people assume I'm Hispanic and I'm not Hispanic and they just kind of see what they want to see. But I think that, I, I mean, I wouldn't say that I've ever probably experienced, you know, racism as you probably have. They say that seven out of 10 African-American people polled will say that they've had some sort of discrimination in their lifetime. So that has not been my experience, but I imagine it's been yours. Like, do you feel like- I would say, uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie. And I mean, I I grew up really middle-class. I grew up in suburbs. I went to Catholic school. So, um, and there weren't a lot of black people in my spaces. Yeah. Um, a lot of times it was me, it was my brother, maybe one or two other kids in the whole school. In my high school, I remember there being a couple of Filipino kids, a couple um, Hispanic kids, and maybe one Black girl in the whole school. So um, I would say that more of my experience is really just absorbing microaggressions um, and trying to kind of figure out who I am. Because my parents, quite frankly, were like, hey, we're going to raise our kids. We're going to give them the best they can. We're going to put them in the best schools we can afford. Um, We're going to get the worst house in the best neighborhood. And we're going to try to like, you know, bounce up to the next echelon of whatever they were living. And I feel like they didn't want to acknowledge the experience that their biracial children were experiencing. They were just like, hey, you've got food in the refrigerator. You, you're you in a great school. Um, you know, it, you're surrounded by great people. And it's like, but are they? Are they really that great? Are all of them that great? You know, are people just playing a game? Well, but how much of that was tempered by their experience? Because it, it couldn't have been easy to be an interracial couple when they were, like when they started out, right? Because that would have been in the 70s. Right. Yeah. So like that had to be really, have they ever talked to you about, or did you ever experience? No, I would say at least my dad is very much a let's not dwell on bad experiences. And I think he was like, you know, um, kind of always been the odd man out in a lot of spaces, whether that be workplace, college, And so he kind of got used to being like the only black guy at work. And then my mom is just very, she, God bless her. She's very like tunnel vision. She's seeing straight ahead what she wants to see. And she's seeing a loving husband, great kids, a career, and she's not seeing everything else. Wow. And basically I feel like I was living in the everything else. Yeah. So, you know, um, whatever issues that they had to deal with from a relationship wise, I, I honestly, I did. I think everybody was like, well, 
what I dealt with was more than what you dealt with. Or, you know, like you think what you're going over is bad. One, you know, you should have gone through my college or stuff like that. So we all have a tendency to do that for sure. We think we on all that stuff in my family. Yeah. Did you ever experience it out in public, out in the world? Like people making comments or. I, well, there's one time uh, that I remember and I was actually older. I was probably maybe 19 or 20. And I went on a trip with uh, my mom and we were going through passport control and customs. And they were like, okay, family step up. And we went to step up and, you know, the security person at the passport control really kind of jumped up and blocked my mom and yelled at her and was like, only families. <laughs> and I, it kind of, and then, you know, I just jumped in and I said that, that is my mom, you know, but I could tell it really rattles my mom. Um, yeah. She got kind of teary eyed and, um, yeah. You know, so like, it's one of those things. I mean, I think I definitely like felt kind of stares and, and stuff like that. But if you think about it, Lori, it's like, I've never not had stares. You know, my dad's been my dad, my mom, mom, they're still married. We still go out and do things as family. So, um, I mean, maybe, maybe you're feeling stuff, but you don't even know that you're feeling the stairs. Yeah. What about Micah? Because we've diluted even more yeah. the black in, in Micah. And I don't, I don't really know what I think Micah, like what like nationality he looks. What do you think? Like, what does he get? <laughs> no, no one is ever getting black. And I yeah. think most people just think he's white. But um, I think that I've had some conversations with Micah to say, it doesn't matter what people perceive about you or what they think you are. You know who you are. You know who your family is. And you know that there's going to be people who are going to say things. Or you might be out with your grandpa. I actually had to tell a daycare, um, Micah's grandpa is African-American. So please don't give any him a hard time when we come for pickup. Because... Um, you know, they'd say, no, you're not the grandpa. And I just, you know, before it got into an awkward situation, I just went ahead and said, here's, here's a picture of grandpa. Let him in. Yeah. Wow. Um, But I think it's kind of more like, Hey, Micah, you're biracial, just like I am. And if people don't realize that you are, you know, that you are, and you're going to have to stand up for your family, other black people, other you know, whatever situation is, is kind of coming up, you need to know that you're an ambassador to like kind of stand up and do the right thing and being quiet might not be an option for you. That's so, I mean, that's, it's like hats off to you. Cause that's, you know, a heavy conversation to have with a child um, and not one that everyone has to have. Right. I mean, like I have these Hispanic, like my kids are quarter Mexican, quarter Puerto Rican. So they're, and then I'm white. So like they're these little Mexican babies in Texas. So like, 
they're fine. They're doing all right. Except people will look at them and speak to them in Spanish and kind of assume. And it is sort of shameful that they don't speak Spanish because of the part of the country that we're in. Like we all should speak a second language, but I don't, you know, I don't have to have those same conversations because they're every, like as the, as time goes on and we become a bigger melting pot in this country than we ever were everyone is kind of morphing into looking like what my kids look like. Like they're all kind of brown, brown eyes, like, you know, tan skin, like, or Micah, like really, I mean, he just has, you know, blonder hair, but like, they're all kind of morphing into looking like that. Right. Well, I think it's interesting what you said, because people, you're right. People don't have to have these conversations, but I really think that people should. And if people had more conversations, even as a white family or even as a, um, you know, a Hispanic family or an Asian family to say, my experience is going to be different than somebody else's because right. you duck and you say, Hey, this is, you know, I've had this conversation with my stepdaughter who's now 23 and who is white. And we had a conversation and I said, listen, hun, your experience with police is going to be different than uh, a young African-American boy who's 18 with police. You know, you're, you're living parallel lives here. And just because like you felt something didn't mean that somebody else didn't feel something completely different. And we have to acknowledge that because it really isn't the same. Yeah. So, I mean, I think my approach has always been as long as the kids are not singling someone out, like they're, they're kind of, when someone is singled out, they're trying to befriend them or they're trying to be inclusive. Um, You know, we haven't spent for sure. We haven't spent a lot of time calling out anything racial because it's just never really come up, but Like, yeah, I mean, there should be more conversation about it. You know, I think as a parent, you know, my approach, I I try to avoid really uncomfortable. You're so much braver, like to have these conversations and to start it. And, and maybe it's out of necessity and maybe it's just because you're very aware. Well, I think part of that is because I didn't have those conversations as a child and as an adolescent that I'm like, you know what? I felt a lot of pain because I didn't feel like I fit in. I didn't feel like I had anybody to talk to. And when I did open up, I was told, well, wham, wham for you. Like Uh. you're living a fine life. So, you know, I definitely don't want to repeat that. And I just think maybe I'm hypersensitive to it, but I just feel like, you know, we have to have these conversations. Um, You know, I've got, in my family, I've got Asian folks in my family. I've got black people in my family. I've got Jewish people in my family. Um, you know, we're all different and, but we're all family. So let, let's talk about this because I mean, I even had a conversation where I was sitting there with my aunt who is half Japanese and she felt she grew up in Mississippi and her mom was, you know, married to GI, um, and didn't really know English very well. And she felt very isolated um, being yeah. half in rural Mississippi. And my mom and 
and dad were sitting there and my dad was saying, well, you know, what I went through was X, Y, Z. And I literally, I felt so incensed. And I said, what we're not going to do is we're not going to say, you know, who had the worst experience. Like if you're a child and you're feeling racism, like you're hurt and yeah. you're going to feel that the whole rest of your life, no matter who you are. So, you know, we, we're all experiencing things. Um, and I mean, so even myself, I didn't really necessarily feel accepted from the black community either. I bet. Yeah. You know, because I didn't have a lot of black friends because there weren't many in my school. Um, I felt like my my black family never said it, but I felt like they were just raising me to be white. And I was out of touch somehow. And it's like, no, I was actually craving that connection with yeah. my black. And even when I moved to New Orleans, which it was kind of great in a way because there's so many different shades of black people there. But I had people be like, oh, you know, you know, when they do rush and stuff like that, like they were basically like, don't even try to rush the black sororities. Um, you're too white and you do your hair like this. You wear clothes like this. You're trying to be white. And it's like. I wasn't trying to be anything. So that's, that's brings up like a really interesting. So I've had, I've had an experience that I'm going to talk to you about. You were actually involved in this and you didn't even realize that this was happening, but uh -oh. Oh, that to me, no, that to me is like still, you know, for any black person to, you know, hate, we obviously, they hate racism. They talk about like, you know, we've all experienced it. Like it's, it's terrible. Don't do it but that's a form of racism. Like it's, it's a form of still discriminating against someone based solely on the color of their skin. And it's really, it almost kind of takes away from the rest of the argument. It's a little bit hypocritical. Um, and I experienced something really similar to it recently. So you had posted about um, Tupac that they had found or and in indicted someone for Tupac's murder. This was uh -huh. whenever it happened a few weeks ago. And I, we were on the other podcast that I do for work. And, and I just mentioned it like happenings this week. And I said, well, they indicted someone for Tupac's murder. And I was talking to my partner, Dakota, who is quite possibly the whitest person on the planet. Like he had, and he's, and he's 20 years younger. So like he was born the year that Tupac was. So he had really out of touch, no idea about any of this. So I'm giving him like a rundown of how like I remember the story to have gone, like what had happened. And I guess I misquoted some facts or something like, I mean, we've all heard the story a million times and probably different versions of it, but mine wasn't spot on the exact whatever happened between him and Biggie, right? So this gets posted on the internet and people, the, the outrage, not just just that i would even have the audacity to speak about tupac oh, they were like up in arms like i had people tell me that you have no right to be talking about it and i said well why is that like i was alive at the time i remember where i was when i found out that each of them were killed it was significant and, and i like i was a fan and so why 
and I've seen a million hip hop documentaries about this subject. So why am I not allowed to speak about it? And without like saying it, they would say, essentially, because you're not black, don't even utter it. We don't want, we don't want to hear what you have to say about it. And someone basically said to me, if you're not black or you're not a journalist, you have no right to speak on it. Mm, that's interesting. Well, it's funny because I, I honestly, I don't think the experiences that I had or ones like it, I don't see that as racism because I, and I'm going to probably fumble this, but I always kind of heard that racism was actually somebody in a position exerting their power over somebody else. Well, so it's, it's discrimination though, right? I do see it as that. And I mean, yeah, that can, you know, like we were talking about microaggressions, like they can hurt as much as overt racism right. um, if it happens over and over and over. But yeah, it's interesting. I think that sometimes people, you know, everybody wants to have like uh, a community and it's like, but do you want to have your community at the expense of someone else? You know, that's. Well, I mean, what, look at, look at what we're experiencing now with this whole Palestine. I mean, that is, that is essential. I mean, it's, it's genocide, right? Like they're completely killing off or attempting to eliminate an entire race. Like I can't, I, I can't believe, first of all, I can't believe that wars still happen. Like, it just seems like it's such a bad idea. Like everybody's got a nuclear weapon. Like, do we really want to do this? Like, do you really want to like some of these people were trusting that they're stable, they could push a button and we could all be gone, obliterated. So like, I can't believe we still have wars. But like, even that is is 100% just based on you're, you're different. If like, you're different yeah. than I am. And so I have to eliminate you. And that's really kind of terrifying to me that, and especially with as many advancements, I can't believe we still have to talk about race um I, you know i was listening to a podcast that was super controversial about the topic and it was a white man and a black woman talking on the matter she's a very conservative black woman though like a journalist and um they were both just saying like we're just done talking about racism like anybody who's talking about it right now did you you weren't you know you you weren't a slave your family may have been but you weren't like not in your lifetime like you should just stop talking about it because we're giving it like basically too much, too many legs. Like we're giving it too much clout. And I don't think we should not talk about it because I think it's still prevalent. People still feel it. And I think if we don't talk about and learn from our history, we're bound to repeat it. Yeah. Right. That's the thing. You, we've got to get to the root of things and we've got to understand what is real and what isn't real. We have to understand what people have gone through as like uh, a collective people. Um, and I think, I mean, I've read some things that people that trauma can get embedded into like your DNA. Oh, so yeah. who say you're not still living the trauma of, Ancestors. you know, your grandparents, your great grandparents. And, you know, if, if your grandparent or your great grandparent went through something so traumatic and then you're a child grows up in that home, they're going to take that trauma into the, the person they become. 
And sure. I mean, that's how things get passed on. So, I mean, I think, I think you've got to, it really disturbs me because I'm such a history person. I mean, I probably should have not gone into like marketing and gone into, you know, becoming a librarian. And oh, well, you, you can have a new evolution and have a whole other career. People do it all the time. But I mean, it seems like right now people don't, they just want to like put a stamp on something. Oh, it's MLK day. We're good. You know, we went on a march in 1968. So thanks. And it's like, Hey, you can't go say la 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 forever. I mean, or else we wouldn't be going through what we're going now. I do wonder like what, what's the conversation now in schools about do like, I should ask my children because I don't know the answer when Martin Luther King day comes about, is there conversation about like who he was and what he did? I'm sure that there is, but do they really have any understanding like the impact because, or is it just like, oh, we get a day off of school because, you know, I think that those are our chances to make sure that children are aware of these things. And I just wonder how it's handled because I, you know, I, re I definitely remember learning about him in school and learning about just the civil rights movement and, you know, Rosa Parks and like just all, all of the things that transpired. Um, but I wonder if it's diluted, you know, as time has gone on, because that was 30 years ago. So like, I mean, I think it has. Um, I think that a lot of teachers are scared to go deeper because they have parents that get up in arms and they don't want to hear about it. And I, I think people are kind of tiptoeing around a lot of things. Well, that that's society, right? We live in this such hyper sensitive, no one wants to offend anyone yet. Like I, so I, I really like, I have very strong feelings. I think that like our world is technology is amazing and the worst thing that's happened to us because like what it has has made is like we have this information at our fingertips which you know we we just the first thing we google we assume that it's true that is not always the case and right. and google is so freaking manipulated based on your region and your search pattern and history like that's terrifying right like talk about like controlling our minds but like the reality is that we are, people are so afraid to say anything in person, to have any sort of confrontation or say the truth, if it's the least bit controversial because of the backlash. And instead they'll go home and be the most hateful, wicked right. on the internet. Mm. And it's disgusting. Like, you know, since we've had to post so much more content and be out there more, I hate it. And I understand why, actual celebrities don't read the comments because people are mean just for the sake of being mean. It's so disgusting, but it's like, you have so much to say here because you're a keyboard warrior, but yeah. why are you not saying something when something like there's an injustice or a topic that needs to be handled out in the actual world where it can make a difference? It, it blows my mind. Like I, kind of hate a little bit you know this is again this is like to your point earlier like well I whatever I went through was harder times were better when we were kids I would rather grow up in that time than what 
my children, our children are dealing with now, because this seems like it really kind of blows. Well, I will say um, there's good and bad. I I think that there definitely, there's a ways to connect, but there's definitely ways to connect to false narratives. And, you know, the whole, people can go just spin out of control on stuff that is not even real. Oh, you know, what's real, real. Yeah. Okay. So not, not to change your mind about this. Sure. Racism, the definition. Oh, okay. Prejudice, Prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism by an individual community or an institution against a person or people on the basis of their membership in a particular racial or ethnic group, typically one that is a minority or marginalized. So really what was being done to you was a form of racism because they were 100% making a snap judgment and discriminating based on the group that they presumed that you were a part of. Right. Those people, what they were doing to me that I'm not allowed to speak ever about Tupac, that was racism. And it's like, you can't have it, like to me, you can't have it both ways. You can't say you hate racism and you think that all racist people should die and then act racist and, and, and really plant your flag on the argument that like, well, I can kind of do whatever I want. Like that's an entitled sort of thing. Like I can do whatever I want. I can say it because I'm black. I can talk about him or I can be a part of this group. I can tell you that you're not welcome. Like that's part of the problem. Like if you're doing it in any way, you're part of the problem. Like you're, you're perpetuating it. You're feeding into it. I I see that. I guess for myself, I I really have to say, like, you know, is is my problem or my pain bigger than something that is collective pain? Um, are people are people threatened because? maybe they don't like in that situation when I was like in college, like were people making snap judgments on me and did I, could I rise above it and realize like, Hey, it, it, it isn't worth it. Yeah. That I was better than somebody else when I wasn't. I mean, it's very delicate. Um, And and that's, that's super enlightened. Like it's, that's a beautiful, you were clearly raised in a very loving, supportive environment to like, for that to be your takeaway. But imagine the girl who was you, but didn't come from the same circumstances and she's going to college and she wants to feel accepted and she really feels connected to her black culture and she wants to rush the black house. Like she wants to be a part, she wants to go Greek and this is what she wants to do. And those people saying that to her completely tempered her decision and she doesn't like pursue that. And it fully affects her entire outcome. It it changes everything going forward. Right. Yeah. I I would definitely say, I think it goes the other way a lot more because there's a lot more social stigma. If it was like a black girl trying to go into a white. Sure. So, I mean, I kind of think about like, hey is it is this one asshole or 
is there a whole pack of assholes? Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of think it that way. I mean, honestly, one of one of the most hurtful things to me was as an adolescent, you know, you're you're dating, you want to, oh, this guy thinks I'm cute or this, you know, all that stuff that can feel so awkward. And I mean, multiple times I've had people who were, oh, like I was at a party and I made out with the guy or he gave me his number. And then someone's like, well, you know, she's black. And then that person won't even talk to me anymore. Stop. Or like before they called it ghosting, just ghost. Wow. Or, you know, somebody's like fine for like a hookup, but they would never like commit date you for real. That's yeah, that's extremely hurtful. Yeah. So, and I mean, it's happened a number of times. So I think that's the thing that kind of broke my heart a little bit um, more than anything else, just because you're so, I mean, you, you want to feel your person. I mean, I still do, you know, you want to fall in love. You want to have a boyfriend. You want to, you know, find your person. Um, and I mean, I dated a guy who was like, you know, I'm not going to take you over to my family who was out of town because like their family isn't going to be cool with it. Wow. Wow. Well, I guess we don't have a future then. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, yes, but like, yes, you're maybe that was one asshole, but it's still, it's, it's all still part of the problem. Like kids don't grow up seeing the world that way. Like they come into the world and they just like people and they like people that are nice to them and they don't know any different. And we, we plant that there. Like someone put that there, which is really dangerous and it's so harmful. And it's like, after all these generations removed there it's still happening like and it's but I, not- if I would have been more prepared yes there's always going to be assholes but if I think if I was more prepared that my mom and dad came to me and said you know what you're a wonderful smart talented you know beautiful outgoing young girl and someone's still not going to like you because of your skin. No one ever said that to me. So when it came to me, I was really hurt. Because, you know, my family was like, Oh, if you're a great person, you'll attract good people. You have so many friends, like who wouldn't like you. And that's wishful thinking. And I think that's why I go back with my son now. And I say, you know, like there's going to be people who don't like you. There's going to be people who are racist. Maybe you don't hear it at school, but maybe you go to somebody's house or you're, you know, that's happened to me when I was a kid. I went with a friend's family and we stayed at their like great aunt's house in, you know, Tennessee. And she said some off color things. And it's like, well, what am I going to do? I'm 11 years old in the middle of Tennessee with this family and it's their great aunt so I mean what I'm gonna cry about it I I mean there's no cell phone (laughs) what am I gonna do wow I'm just gonna kind of take it 
So do you think, so, I mean, and Hey, like, again, hats off to your parents. Like, I, I love your parents. I think your parents are great. Like, I think that a lot of this was a product of like some, probably some parenting book that told them like, this is how you raise your kids. And like, cause I had a lot of the same stuff for my mom. Like you're beautiful. You're perfect. Like if, if anybody doesn't see that, then it's their loss and never going to, you know, like never going to tell you necessarily brace you for, I mean, I got the wind kicked out of me a lot of times, like by things that happen in the world, because there wasn't the conversation, but I, so I, so I get it. And I think you're a product, your parenting is a product of like our current times, but I think there, there still would have been two paths, one or two paths you could have taken. You could have hit it head on. And I think that's just very much your personality is to have the conversation. And I love to see that. And I'm obviously the opposite side where I'm like, oh, things are, things are fantastic. And we don't have that problem. So we're not going to talk about it. And then that's not that shallow. Like there are conversations that happen here. Um, but it's just not, it doesn't, it's not so much around race because it hasn't been, it hasn't affected us a ton. Um, it's more about like differently abled people and like, what do you do when someone's being bullied? Like I'm, I have yeah. lots of opinions about bullying, but do you think that Micah will ever have that same experience? Like, do you think it was different for a girl than it is a boy? Like, do you think he'll ever date a girl, make out with a girl and then mention that he has some, because like, let's be real we all have black in our lineage somewhere. Like all, it all started in Africa. Like anybody who does 23 and me will find that they have, nobody's pure. There is some black in everything. So like, do you think because he's a boy, he'll have a different experience? Do you think that that's less? I don't know. I think he'll have a different experience just because he's very presenting as a white young man you know he has blonde hair he has green eyes I mean he looks like he might have been sun-kissed a little bit but you know he's got a um, great skin tone that kid's like <laughs> a supermodel I don't know I mean I, you know we're always evolving like social norms so I think having a you know a boyfriend or a girlfriend of a different race or ethnicity isn't as big of a deal as it was, you know, in the nineties or eighties. Um, I think there are more like interracial relationships to look at. Um, I remember being a kid and going to like target or the stores and, you know, Barbie was my favorite toy and just never seeing a Barbie that had tan skin. There might be one black Barbie, but it's like, I'm not really identifying with that either with a Barbie that has dark cocoa skin and an Afro. So mm -hmm. when I started seeing like, it, maybe it was the Latino. But Coco was good for you. All of the, yeah. Yeah. Barbie. And like, I mean, it, even as like a teenager, that made me feel good. You know, that representation, what really was important. And, you know, like I didn't, outside of my mom and dad, I really didn't have any interracial 
relationships or families to look at. Um, and now, I mean, I see them all the time. I think one thing that I still see, especially in St. Louis, because St. Louis is a very kind of segregated type city, um, is a lot of the um, elementaries are very mixed. And then when it gets to high school, people go off to private schools or, and after, you know, even in high school, I feel like the people I hung out with was a really like kind of diverse crew because I kind of moved away from my private school and I found another group and I was like, oh, these are my people. This is cool. But now if you look at those people now, are their friends as diverse as they were when they were 16? No, it's like, as you grow up, people tend to kind of group together or people go to get married and, um, you know, couple up people, a lot of times couple up with people of, you know, same, I don't know, growing, you know, ways they grew up or. Well, yeah, I think, I think that goes back to like what I said at the beginning. I think people are comfortable with what they understand. They're, they're comfortable with things that are like them. So they find a way to make their world kind of like them. And I mean, I think it's to different extremes, right? Like, don't you feel, don't you feel like you encounter people in the world and you're just like, man, everybody's crazy, but like your group of friends make sense to you. And I'm like, I have a hard time believing that we just found a normal group of people. Like we're also (laughs) all probably a little crazy, but it's like the same kind of crazy. And I think that that's just like the world, like people kind of tend to make sense of the world around them by making it what they're comfortable with and people are comfortable with whatever they see in the mirror. And that's wild to me. Cause like, I I don't know. I just, I didn't really grow up that way. I didn't ever think that. I mean, I went to a predominantly Hispanic elementary school and then, and there were no black kids in our class in our graduating class. I mean, but there were 15 of us. So it's not like it was a big sample size. And then I went to a predominantly white all girls high school and still just a handful of black people in that school, but other races for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the world was just, and I didn't really think about it that much because again, it wasn't affecting me. It was just when I went into new settings and people would be like, so what are you exactly? Or like, oh, you're, you're Jewish, right? no, I'm not like you're Italian. You've got to be Italian. You know, like just, they kind of see whatever they are so they can make sense of the world. It's just been, it's been an interesting life for that reason. Um, because people just kind of see what they want to see, which has definitely helped me. You know, it, it helped me in both of those instances. It helped me be just another little Hispanic kid in the elementary school and be just another white girl when I got to the high school. Like it, you know, not that I was trying to play it up, but you just kind of go with the flow. Yeah. I mean, mean, I'll, I'll definitely say that going to New Orleans and then meeting some other mixed kids at college and then having a group of just really diverse group of friends was awesome for me in a very um rich cultural 
city and funky city that brings people from all over the world and all over the country. Like, that's what I was craving. I was craving something other than white bread, you know? And I'm glad I had that. Like, because I just felt like I didn't have an opportunity to really feel like I fit in until I found a place for myself to fit in. And I wasn't going to find that at like an all girls, all white private high school. It was a great education. I'll say that. And I met some awesome friends that I've kept my whole life. But like, I felt like a little off, a little different. And yeah, I could have gone to Mizzou with like half my class and I could have gone to, you know, Rush at, but I was like, why do I want to do that? I went to an all girls Catholic high school. Why do I want to go and have the same experience in a sorority in at Mizzou? I want something different. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm just so grateful that I found it, you know, I'm is, still- is, is the black sorority there still primarily a black sorority? Um, there are like two major, like the AKAs and the Deltas are like, you know, historically black sororities. But I'm saying if I would have gone to Mizzou, I probably, you know, like with a bunch of the girls from my high school, they would have been like, oh, rush for this. Sorority. No, for sure. I just wondered if all these years later, if those schools had, if those sororities had kind of evolved. Because to me, just even the idea of like, that we're segregating through natural elimination or like forced, that we're still kind of like separating off that way is still kind of part of the problem. Like, or there are black dorms. Like that's part of the problem. Like why why are we allowing these boundaries? So I just wondered if those sororities had evolved at all. And like, I mean, I, I don't know. I never had a, I never really wanted to be in those sororities either way, but I think that that community is necessary. I mean, I think they do a lot of great good and I'm not bitter against those black sororities because you know, a couple of people were like, you seem too white to even be in. It's like, well, really? I mean, I'm shocked. But they've done less less good if they had white people in it? Probably not. I mean, you're either innately good, inherently good, or you're not. So they, it, it wouldn't have necessarily changed. I mean, I understand that it's necessary so that people had a feeling of belonging, but it's still probably on some level part of the issue that well I think the more the issue is society instead of like these small communities where people are just trying to feel validated in because like there's a lot of black people who aren't being validated in like general society so like I can't fault somebody for wanting to like be a place that they can be themselves. Just like I was seeking, you know, for that in myself, for someone else to seek it in in their community. Um, I think we need to rather fix on like the issues of society, you know, in 
in schools, not necessarily groups, and, you know, sororities or something like that, but workplaces, um, housing, you know, things that happen every day. Um, people just walking with a hoodie on their head, getting hassled, you know, because they have black skin or somebody walking in a neighborhood that isn't that black in a white neighborhood and someone just pulls up, what are you doing? Just because you're walking, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, so, so me, what was your, like Black Lives Matter experience? Like what did? Um, well, I mean, for me, just be, knowing that everything, a lot of that movement came out of Ferguson. Um, I mean, I've always really identified with that. I mean, I don't think that as saying, just because you say Black Lives Matter doesn't mean you're saying somebody else's lives don't matter. Huh. Um, I think it's an acknowledgement that people are felt like their lives don't matter at all. You know, I will never forget right when the whole Ferguson situation started. I remember the thing that rem- I remember the most is after Michael Brown was killed, he was laying in the street and they showed it on TV and they hadn't put a, a sheet over the body for, for ye- for like hours. And I was like, this wouldn't happen. You wouldn't have a, a young white boy murdered on right. the street and not even have a sheet covered him. So um, I feel like a lot of people have, uh, I don't know, manipulated that movement into a negative thing. And to me, like I'm steadfast in that it's a positive, very positive movement. I mean, I've got a sign in my yard and, uh, you know. Yeah, just what a weird time that we live in. I mean, I, yes, I, I think the brutality, the, the fact that it can all be recorded and on video and people st- like these cops still get away with it is really astounding. Like how much more proof do you need? Um, but, but like the, you know, those are, these are cases that, you know, Rodney King or like, these are things that you hear about yeah. as a couple isolated ones, but it, it's really all the time every day. Yeah. So- it is. It- it is. And I, I definitely, I, even though like it kind of hurt me at the time saying, well, you don't know like what I've gone through. I acknowledge like, Hey, I've had a pretty good life, you know? And I think a lot of what my family was trying to do was lift me up socioeconomically. Um, and they just didn't want to talk about the race component. And they were really focused on like, the socioeconomic side of it. So uh, being an adult now, I understand that. But, you know, I think that I don't have a, like, a sob story for myself. I mean, yes, I, I, I've gone through some things and it hurt me, but like, at least I had time to reflect and figure it out. I mean, I do think, yeah, there were times like I went really deep into drinking Cause I didn't want to deal with that kind of stuff. 
And I just kind of hit a wall with it. Like, I was like, I'm kind of negative on it. Like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Um, and I'm glad I had that reflection before I went deeper into addiction or something like that. But I feel like, you know, my party times <laughs> went a uh, little heavy at times. Yeah. And I think that was because I was hurt and I didn't have a place to um, put the hurt anywhere you know? So I just wanted to cover it up. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's deep. That's profound. I, you know, I, I think again, I, you know, I, I understand your, I, I am probably your parents. Like I, I, you know, some of these negative things, I, I don't watch the news cause it's, it's so negative. It's like, it's, it's everywhere. We're so yeah. inundated with all of this negativity. And then your feed starts to give you more of what you're watching. So if you click on one thing, then it's just like, forget it. Like you're, it's forever. You're going to be just overrun with more of the same content. But I understand like, you know, if you give something too much attention, it's like when, when the little boy is annoying your daughter at school and you say, just ignore him. He just wants your attention. Like that's just what he's trying to get. Same thing. It's like, if you give some of this subject matter with kids, you feel like if you talk about it too much and you give it attention, you, you breathe life into it. And so I, I fully understand why, you know, they were, they were trying to accomplish a thing. And so they weren't going to bring that negative spin on it. Like I totally get it, but um, I just, I can't imagine I'm because I'm sure that they, they didn't tell you about it. Like, that's great. They didn't want to like put that negative spin on it, but I'm sure that they went through things. There couldn't have been, there, there had to be more people that, you know, weren't pleased with their union than any white and white couple would experience or like, like race couple would experience. Right. Or even on the other side, there probably were black people that didn't love that they were in this biracial relationship. So I'm sure that they dealt with it, but God love them for persevering and giving us Natalie and, <laughs> um, you know, just, but I, I can't imagine. It's just, it's, it's hate and it's heavy. And it's like so much that we just shouldn't, I, I just can't believe we're still, I can't believe it's still a thing. Like, I can't believe we're still here. So it's wild. And I can't imagine from still your, <laughs> we're still here, but yeah, I mean, I think, and we, we probably will be here for a long time. Um, but I remember my, my mother showing me that an article that was similar to what I was saying earlier that like by the year, whatever it was 2050 or something, I don't know, which is really not that far away. Um, everyone would kind of look like my kids or your kid, like they would have like that kind of brownish skin tone and like that we're all just sort of melding together. Um, and she's like, everyone will kind of look like my grandkids. And she was like, really pleased by it. And I was like, yeah, I mean, like, that's great. I hope we're all still alive then. But you know what, though, Lori, is things don't fix themselves. So we, you know, we can always say like, oh, I would have thought this would have you know, not been a problem at this time, but, you know, well, what are we doing to make it better? If we're not physically doing something to make situations better, they're not going to get better. You know, I mean, we can't lean on our politicians to do that. I mean, just like education, you've got to have these conversations 
and you've got to like change mindsets in your home if you want it to change outside of the home. Do you think it's better? Like in your lifetime, do you feel like progress has been made? Do you feel differently about it now? I do. Um, I think there's a lot of stuff that hasn't changed. Um, I feel like there are more, it used to be, you know, you're over here or you're over there. There wasn't a lot of in between. And I've kind of lived my whole life in between. And I feel like there's more in between people. There's more people who are, you know, just because you were born here doesn't mean you're going to live here your whole life. There's people who live all the time, see other places. I mean, there's just more accessibility than there used to be. Um, I think people see things what happened in Ferguson or Minneapolis and people want to change people want to do better. Um, but I mean, there's always going to be people who resist that. So I think it's kind of figuring out like how much are you willing to do to change the way you do something? Um, are you going to, I mean, I remember talking to a couple of my high school friends and them saying like later, in in life saying you know what I heard somebody I remember people saying the n-word at a party and you were right there and I didn't say anything and like you know I knew you felt awkward and but you know I just kind of turned a blind eye and it's like and they're like I'm sorry about that you know and it's like I didn't necessarily need that I'm sorry but to know like, hey, I wasn't crazy. Like there there was a lot of negativity out there. Um, and now maybe that co, like, you know, that person that I went to school with is now teaching their kid to do something different because it was on their heart. Just when we were talking about bullying, like if you were the bully, do you want to, you know, maybe your kid is going to be the victim. You know, you've got to change it up. Yeah. So I think it's people just acknowledging that, like, we've got to change things up. We've got to stand up, even if it's just a coworker, or a, you know, another student, a person in a bus. I, I agree. I think I, for me, the issue is that there will be these these incidents that happen and everyone will rally. but it's like the the small passive stuff that no one like what your friends talking about like a word a derogatory word being said and they didn't say anything even though in their mind they're you know and, and that's just one example but like yes we all rally behind these big things because they're known about but how much of it do we say when we're out in public and that's the part where i don't i think when everyone's like on on it for social media or for the internet or because it's being videoed or whatever that's one thing but it's all of the little stuff behind the scenes that nobody says anything about that's really probably the bigger issue because it happens all the time I mean those are a couple cases the internet is chock full of like 
these incidents of racism and, you know, yeah. people getting, there was, um, did you ever watch the real world? Like the first, when it, before it became whatever it became, like the very first season, there was that guy, Kevin, yeah. who they, everybody like classified him, coined him as like an angry black man. Like that's how his image ended up being. But it was crazy because he was just saying things that he had legitimately experienced probably his whole life. And he was trying to explain to Julie, the Southern whitest girl, like roommate that he was now in proximity with. He's like, your relationship with the cops like is very different than mine. Like if I get pulled over, it's a very different experience than if you get pulled over. And it was like this big, and they ended up like kicking him out of the house. And it was like, Yes, he was very vocal, but he was really just speaking his truth, like what he had lived his whole life. And that was very controversial because again, if we don't talk about it, then it's not real. Like if it's not in our face, it's yeah. not real. If it's not on video. We don't have to address it, you know, but it's like these passive small things happen all the time. And I don't know. I mean, I would hope that I have the guts to stand up. I'm sure that you would say something like more of us have to, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that's it. More people have to. And I think, uh, you know, we have to realize that these aren't all isolated incidents, you know, they're happening at different levels, you know, but they're happening all the time. And just because happening something's happening across the city from you in a different experience doesn't mean it doesn't happen. So um, just having a little bit of um, empathy mm -hmm. um, and sometimes just listening to people. I mean, we all want to talk. I have to say that to myself <laughs> often. It's yeah. like, hey, maybe I should just not say something right now. Maybe I should just listen. Because I'm just like, ah, I want to keep going. And yeah. I'm like, no, but maybe I can learn more about fixing a situation by listening. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think we all need to listen. I think I, I've noticed that about podcasts lately. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and it seems like everybody just talks over each other. Like we're yeah. all waiting for our next chance to speak. And so, yeah, I think we all should listen a little bit more. And yeah. really, like, you know, there's probably, um, there's, there's opportunity to like make small changes every single day. And I'm going to go out and talk to my kids in a minute here about exactly <laughs> what we talked about. And, um, you know, I'm sure that they have very interesting takes on it too. You know, just like what they're experiencing, even at the elementary school level, you know, it's, it's crazy, but um, from the mouths of babes. So I'll report back what they have to say, but this was a ton of fun to talk to you about this. I mean, yeah. um, and I appreciate you spending this time. So last question before we part, um, what if like knowing now what, you know, what one piece of advice would you give to your younger self? It can be around this topic or whatever, but just what would you tell younger Natalie as she was coming up with all your wisdom now? I think I would say, stop comparing yourself to other people. Figure out who you are, figure out who makes 
the most sense for you, who cares for you and stick with those people. Um, I think I spent a lot of my time trying to fit in. And once I kind of let that go and let the people who gravitate to me be and saying, you know what, I'm totally, I might be different than my mom or I, I might have a different body type, type or, you know, skin tone. Like I just had peace with it and stopped trying to fit myself into a mold. I became happier. So I would say just, and that's hard as an adolescent, but I would just really say it's going to all figure itself out, you know? That's very wise. I think that that's, that's beautiful. It actually ties very well into this conversation because I think you probably did have a very interesting come up, you know, just because of race. Cause it's always there. I know I felt like I did, but definitely different than yours, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's good. We're talking about it. I think that that's very wise. Go tell Micah that piece of <laughs> advice right now. I, I do try to like tell the kids little nuggets that I come up with because I, um, I, you know, if we can save them some heartache from having to learn the same lessons, that's a beautiful thing too. How much further would they get down the road? So that's very wise, very, very good piece of advice. So I so appreciate you helping me try to make it make sense because hey. it, it still doesn't, but we keep, <laughs> we keep trying. I'm going to get up tomorrow and I'm going to try it again. Um, but I love you and I appreciate you spending this time and um, I'm going to go have the talk with the kids. I'm excited. They, right. what they have to say about it. So the conversation has continued and we've got some really interesting stuff here. So I tend to live it with rose colored glasses you so your question pose your question first that you were well, my question was at what at what point does a young boy become a threat from a cute little baby boy mixed kid or a cute little black boy when does that child become a threat because i think inevitably people start to treat you differently and i i feel like my own brother really I mean, you know, he did little adolescent things like staying out past cur curfew with police and had to go to like juvenile hall on that. And he was with friends and they weren't at juvenile hall having to go to court, but yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So, so what do you think is the tipping point? What, what's the age? I mean, I think it's probably size i think it's probably 12 13 yeah yeah i would think it's it's when they become more their hormones are developing they're becoming more i don't want to say sexual but like you know attracted to girls and potentially dangerous right because they have different um that racism that we're not always talking about is Looking at young children, I mean, 12, 13, 14, 15, they're children as threats to adults. Yeah. I mean, that's scary. And that's sad. Well, I mean, so Sebastian's taller than me. So like, you know, he could definitely knock me over if he wanted to. So, I mean, I guess from that standpoint, from size, like I could understand where 
well, I don't understand, but I could see where I could understand how it happens where someone's walking with a hoodie and they could look menacing. Right. But even like, you know, I think sometimes I'm so oblivious in my bubble to like what goes on in the world that like Sam, my 18 year old has been doing DoorDash recently. Like that's his jam. He doesn't have to talk to anybody. He can just like drop off people's food. And his dad was like, I really don't want Sam door dashing at night. Like I think, and, and I'm, I'm just like, like oh, totally oblivious to it. Cause I'm like, oh, the world's great. Like it's fine. And it's not. And like, you really could get shot walking up in a hoodie walking store that for, with food that they ordered or going to the wrong house. Yeah. You could get shot, but I'm like, I, I tend to miss some of this stuff. And it's not until it's pointed out to me that I'm like, oh God, yeah, that's, that's crazy. And that's terrifying. And some of that could be race. Some of it could just be boys versus girls. Right. Because like, even try as I might to like raise the kids the same, there are different rules for Izzy than there ever were for the boys. Like I would never let Izzy get on her bike and ride to the park and meet her friends at this age. She's tiny. She folds up nicely. She would fit great in a trunk. Like I just am not doing it, but like Sebastian all the time, like Sam, not a question at the age of 10 or whatever. So it's like, some of it could be racial for sure. So you're, and we're we're talking about had that conversation with Rich, but have you had that conversation with Sam? To say, hey, Sam, like you may not be thinking about this, but dad has a different perspective, you know, yeah. being a 40 something. Yeah. Man. Hispanic. Yeah. So, yes. And like, you know, because the conversations, the conversations you are forced into with children sometimes really kind of test your boundaries. Like, how am I going to handle this one? That that's one, like having a conversation with him about like when a girl says no, it like what that means, that's a conversation you would just assume that your child would understand, but we also overindulge our children and almost never tell them no. So like, maybe we have to have that conversation, you know, like, yeah, that's pretty heavy. That's pretty deep, but yeah, I mean, you know, I would need his dad's perspective because it is very different than my own to understand and to even see it that way. Because again, if I'm rolling up on somebody's porch, door dashing at nine o'clock at night, I'm probably not getting shot because I am like a white suburban mom. Like it's, you know, like, so it just wouldn't even occur to me, but the situation would be very different if it were Sam or would be very different if it were Rich or Sebastian. Um, But even, you know, we're talking a lot about like black and white and yes, those are, that's probably, you know, most of our point of reference, but there's racism in all walks. And you're dating a guy currently who's of Middle Eastern descent. And he has, I'm certain, a very different take on what racism looks like. But I know that it's there because he looks Middle Eastern, you said, correct? Yeah. And I think too, like just names. Oh, what is this name? Like your name's Ahmed, your name's Omar. Like, you know, you have a dark black beard. Like, am I menacing? 
you know, am I up to trouble? Am I not trustworthy? Um, I mean, can there's I, a lot of times Can I like, get on the plane with you? What? Like, can I get yeah. on the plane with you? Seriously. Like, has he ever talked to you about any of that? Like his, like, cause 9-11 was not kind to anyone of Middle Eastern descent. That the decade yeah. before and after like was challenging. Has he ever said anything? Is this like- No, we haven't really gotten into that as so much, but I mean, there are definitely times like that he'll say, like when he's doing stuff for work, he'll say AJ because his name's Ahmed Jamshid. And he'll just say, oh yeah, AJ when he's like talking to a new client because it's like, you know, it can be off putting to people. Well, why? Because you're racist. <laughs> right. But they wouldn't think that they're like, and that's, yeah. that is the problem right there is like the lack of self-awareness. If you are ever choosing to not like someone or not do business with them or discriminate against them or make that snap judgment, you're a little racist. If it, you know, if you talk about not judging a book by its cover, but, and I'm sure we, we all do it to some degree, right? Like you can walk yeah. into Walmart and I can think, damn, the people I'm going to see at Walmart are different than the people I'm going to see at Target. And they both somehow live in my town, but I don't see these people walking around so much. Yeah. So like we all do it, but it's still some form of discrimination. The difference with racism is it's based solely on what you perceive them to be racially but well it's, um, it's funny um i'm sure you read it but freakonomics yeah uh, the the book i mean you know they they've said that if somebody has like a very ethnic or seems like a black name it may not float up to the top of the resume um yeah. a lot of times okay so tell me this do you think Cause I talk on the phone all day long to people that I will really only have their name. And then I get on the phone. Do you think you can tell black people from white people on the phone when you're speaking to someone? I think a lot of times I can, but it's so funny. Do you ever, and I'm sure this happens to you all the time where you talk to somebody and you're visualing them as X, Y, or Z. And then you see their picture. You're like, no way. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I for sure. Like, I definitely think I can tell, like, I'm almost never wrong. Um, there's just something distinctive about it. And I'm not even saying it's like dialect or different, you know, it's, it's just, you can hear it. I, I don't know what to say. And so, yes, I will make friends with them on Facebook, like after our transaction and I'm almost never wrong, like I said, but there, it is always interesting to put the voice to the face and like, what, how far off was I, what I visualized, like, was it accurate? But I think you can tell just by talking to people and yes, dialect then plays into it, but like, yeah, I just think I can, I can hear it. I can tell, but I wouldn't know talking to you that you were black. I don't think. I don't think I would for your brother either. A kind of weird voice in general, because it's like deep woman voice. It's kind of nasally. <laughs> like that, you're describing me too. So I get it. But like to me, your your voice is distinct. 
distinctive, but your brother sounds like you, which is also, that's a whole other, I mean, oh, I guess. Yeah. I forgot that you've talked to my brother. Okay. So yeah. if you didn't know my brother, would you think he was white or black? Nope. White would not really? be. because Christopher Johnson is very, could be, could go either way. There are plenty of white Johnsons and plenty of black Johnsons, right? Like it could go either way. No, I would not think he was black. Do you think you would? Would you hear it? It's I I can't even answer that because can't I mean, got a, a good voice, like yeah. you know. Yeah. I it's, don't know, but, but it's weird. And like you know, I in our transaction, like I will always put up a picture of the family first because I do think it it helps bring bring people's walls down to be able to like imagine you plus again I'm the white suburban mom like that's a very like who doesn't want to buy insurance from that girl like you know so I mean I get it but um yeah like you know I'm sure people hear me and I sound white I'm sure like I would think so um but I can definitely tell you know and and it's weird because you don't want to assume and damn, you don't want to assume and be wrong. Right. And sometimes right. when you're filling out these applications with them on the screen, it'll ask for race or ethnicity, gender, all of it. And so you, you have to ask those questions, even though they're probably like, bitch, you can't tell, like, you know, like, <laughs> you don't know, but you know, you don't, you don't want to, it's again, like you're, we're all so afraid to say anything. We're so afraid to get it wrong. We're so afraid to offend someone like that is really a huge part of the problem. What I think will stand in the way of like progression, not just racism, but all over is that we're so afraid to offend that we won't at all attempt to have the conversations that have to be had. Yeah. Concerning, like that. I feel like I'm getting better at that. I mean, as a 45 year old woman, I hope I'm better. But I mean, it's still hard. It's yeah. still hard to have uncomfortable situations. And uh, I, you know, you had asked, you know, what would I do different? I, you know, get more comfortable having uncomfortable conversations. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, I. So my piece of advice to my younger self would be to stop like very similar to what you said to stop caring what people think which if I could have learned that and I'm still not great at it I'm better at it but like I still get very caught up in what people think and that's harmful in its own way because you're trying to live up to something you're not really being your authentic self because you're trying to fit in so very similar to what you'd said but you know, my, my middle son, my middle child, my uh, younger son, he is like the coolest kid I've ever met. He just really, since he was able to communicate, doesn't give a shit what anybody thinks about him. Like he will wear the most crazy mismatched outfit to school. If people don't like him, he doesn't like, there's just nothing that ruffles this kid's feathers. And I will say to him, keep that hold on to that as tightly as you can never let that go because man you have just saved yourself so much heartache in this world by not caring what people think and it's such a beautiful way to live your life 
but most of us don't. Um, but yeah, I mean, just like, he just doesn't care. He's like, the only thing that he will not tolerate is like public affection. Now that he's like PDA with me is like, not going to happen now. That, that's well, do you think that's born or do you think that's learned? Like, do you think that his just like, you know, not caring is just, he was just no, born it, that it was, he was just born that way because he has two siblings that were raised similarly, clearly. Um, but like, I mean, when, from the time he could walk, he was reconciled. And it was like, he would get into trouble, even though he knew he was going to get in trouble. Cause he really just didn't care. Like he just was always that kid. And he comes, he's sandwiched by two siblings that very much care. Like they are very in intuitive and care very much about how people are feeling about them. So I do think it's more nature versus nurture. Um, and you know, so like, but I mean, I think there were, there are, are like the not wanting to have public display displays of affection with his mom. That part was probably nurture, you know, because, you know, in a Hispanic family, you know, they're not, they're much more machismo and it's like, you know, I, I watched it with my brother versus me, which is probably, oh, the, you know, okay. like just your, your you don't, boys don't cry. And like, you have to play a sport and you have to like guns and like all of that. So I think, you know, that part was learned because when he comes home and there aren't any eyes on him, he's the cuddliest, most affectionate, but it's no. like not in, not in public you're going to like kill my game mom. So, <laughs> you know, it is what it is, but, um, but just good, like more conversation. Thanks for keeping it going and making me think, because I'll tell you, um, I'm, I really am going to go have a conversation with my kids because as much as I preach about, we should not be afraid to talk about it. I don't, I don't think it's a fear to talk about it. It's just like, oh, why give it attention if it's not like in our world? But I don't know, it, it, you know, we, because we don't talk about it, it could be in their world. They could yeah. be experiencing things like that. And, or it could be in their world tomorrow and are they prepared? Yeah. To yeah. react appropriately, you know? Yeah. It's a very good, um, yeah, it's a good lesson. You know, I didn't think about having the conversation with, with Sam about when a girl says no, what that means until someone else, said it to me and I'm like hot damn like again like I just missed the mark it's not that I you just assume yeah if your kids are presented with a situation that they're going to do the right thing but you, should we leave it up to chance like you know uh, so yeah well, I, it's funny because people always say like you know with kids like oh are you having the the birds and bees conversation and like for me I'm always like there's a there's a lot of conversations like first of all we know tweens and teens you're not going to get more than about 10 minutes before you get the eye roll and like the I can't do it no uh so like let's let's just normalize having a bunch of little conversations yeah. and the car is great because you don't have to look at each other because I'm looking at the road yeah. or you know and when COVID was going on I'd be like hey let's go for a walk and then we'd be walking I'd be like you know let's bring up something uncomfortable because what else are you gonna do we're 
we're like a mile away yeah. and where are you gonna go sucker yeah. so. I knew that. Well, I mean yeah more conversation to be had for sure everyone needs to do it and everyone also like stop giving your two cents on the internet and have like real face-to-face conversations or even this right. will suffice if you're a distance but like have real conversations and hear each other out because you know we all have different opinions how boring would the world be if we were all the same truly yeah. um, and so I think we have to have more conversation and and I think that our world is making conversation even more rare like we're not set up to have conversations. So if we don't make a concerted effort, a conscious effort to have conversation, it just won't happen. So, right. so that is the lesson for the day. Um, but I appreciate you getting back on here and I appreciate like all of your insight and I love you and let's have some deep talks with our kids and see if we can't. Yeah. Make them into- we, we should have some conversations and then like in like a month be like, huh. What feedback we got. See how it went. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So no, we should just, we should all have more conversations like this anyway, because how you parent is different than I parent. Like, and when they say that it takes a village, it really does. Like God help my kids if they only had my point of view to base the world on because yeah. they would be missing out on a lot of really cool, diverse other ways of thinking. And so I think more parents should should have this like these little powwows anyway yeah. about like this is what I talk to my kid about. How about you? So okay, we're we're starting that and a whole other podcast. No. Um <laughs> another conversation. So all right, friend. Well, I love you and I appreciate you. Like bye again. 